Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Wisdom Wednesday presented by DraftKings online sportsbook and DFS app. Get it on your phone. I've got them both on mine. We will have a spread the word winner on Friday for Cosell's Concepts. Love, love, love the spread the word winners. Those are the people that know, you know what? Ross and Brian are one of the only independents in the top 10 listings for podcasts. They're not one of these big media conglomerates. Any little like we give them at Ross Tucker Pod at Ross Tucker NFL on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook really helps them out. That little thing you do to help us out, well, we like to reward you with a signed picture, signed card. It's a lot of the same people, by the way. So what ends up happening is when I check one of the tweets and see who retweets it or one of the Facebook posts, it's mostly the same names, the same uh, loyal people that I love, but then I'll see a new one. And that new one's usually the winner. So if you haven't done it before, you're probably going to be the winner because you'll stick out to me as a new name. Sponsor confirmation email winner on Friday as well. Uh, That is how we keep the uh, lights on, so to speak. And more importantly, our sponsors are awesome. Like, you know, they, a lot of times they'll send us like an example of it, right? A sample before we start to do the, to tell you guys about it. So we know what it's like. They're awesome. Like, I'm a big fan of all of our sponsors. So take advantage of any of them. All you have to do is get the DraftKings app on your phone. How easy is that to be able to take advantage of one of the sponsor confirmations? Anyway, uh, it is a big show because it's a Wednesday, which means it's Andrew Brandt. I've seen Andrew. He's got a lot to say on social media, and there's a lot going on. NFL, NFL, PA negotiations. No teams are going away for training camp, et cetera, et cetera. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, Andrew. Uh, always love having you on the show. Feels like sort of a little bit of a different tone, different mode, mood, whatever this week. Um, he is the host of the Business of Sports podcast. I do encourage you to take a listen to Andrew's extended thoughts this week on that show. 
Um, but I guess I want to start with this. Before we get into the joint practices and training camp or the NFL negotiations, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on what's going on in terms of the protests and everything going on in the country, really from a sports perspective and a business of sports perspective. What is the impact in your mind, if at all? Yeah, good day, Ross. I mean, we're in a unique time in history, it seems like, every week now. And on the bigger picture, of course, race is always a factor in this country, and it seems to have spilled over. The George Floyd thing, to me, again, not to get too much beyond sports, but it seemed like a little matchstick to a tinderbox waiting to erupt. Um, And I, I guess... I don't know the answer, obviously, uh, but sports has always seemed to be a safe refuge from racial tensions because so it's so diverse, uh, and the sport we talk about, football, is so diverse in its population. But now everyone is up in arms about where we are and protests, and I'm in the suburbs of Philadelphia, 10 minutes away were severe protests the past couple nights. And, you know, you, even from where I am, I hear the sirens. Um, so it's an interesting time. I just, I, I don't know what to say, but it does feel like you're insulated from that in sports. And I can't speak as a black person, but being around sports my whole life, um, you know, I grew up in Washington, D.C., where... I'd go down to the playground and I'd be the only white kid. And that, it never sort of registered to me that that was unique or unusual. And I would be sort of the last kid picked and, you know, there'd be a lot of response if I ever made a nice shot. Um, but to me, again, when I, when I bounced my ball down to the playground where, near where I lived, and I was the only white kid, it just sort of never occurred to me. And then I moved to Green Bay, Wisconsin, where extremely non-diverse, very homogeneous. And I had to answer those questions I've talked to you before about from agents and players. And usually the conversation would go something like this. Andrew, are, are there any black people up there besides the players? And I would have to say, no, there really aren't. But then I would say, you know what? I'm Jewish, and there are no Jews up here either. And I get along well. We're fine. And you just have to be honest. So I've had this, this sort of stark life between growing up in a city that's primarily black and spending part of my professional career that 0% black besides the players in our building. And it just seems to me that, again, not speaking as a black person, but it never was really an issue. And now we're seeing it's an issue, and it's an issue in policing. So let me spin this all back to the elephant in the room, which is Colin Kaepernick. Because as I tweeted last night, his his one statement about what he did was after that preseason game, in August of 2016, and he was talking about in the locker room, 
He said exactly this stuff. He said exactly. The reason I'm doing this is inequality and the way police treat black people. (laughs) And here we are. And then, of course, we have to examine what happened with Kaepernick and his inability to get employment in the NFL when there are 100 quarterbacks on rosters and we know he's, quote unquote, better than most of them. Maybe not most of them, but half of them. Who knows? And so here we go. We're back to where we started four years ago. It's happening. And, you know, the the starkness of it now, Ross, I'll just leave it at this, is NFL people, teams putting out these statements. And these are all teams that would never sign Colin Kaepernick. So um, lots of things that I want to get to off of that. Um, I'll get to the Kaepernick thing in a second. My question on the team statements, Andrew, how many of those statements do you believe are heartfelt from ownership versus how many do you think the PR department said, hey, like, we need to issue a statement everybody else's? For some reason, the, the PR part of this bothers me more with this than even what I call the drive-by RIPs that people do, you know, when someone passes away. It just feels like this is not the time to parse words and really be human about it. I don't know, you know, it just, it, it feels like there's a lot of PR involved in a lot of this stuff, certainly from the NFL statement. Um, as for the teams, you know, I, I have to admit, Ross, I don't even read a lot of them because I know what they're going to say. But, you know, when the Chargers have Anthony Lynn speak out directly, not as the Chargers statement, and he's been a victim of racial profiling, that gets your attention. Uh, when Jeffrey Lurie, owner of the Eagles, sits in meetings, has long talks, writes his own statement, not a team statement, that gets your attention. But mealy-mouth statements about inclusion and diversity, it doesn't get your attention. I mean, that, that me, I roll my eyes <laughs> because I've been there. You know, I've been in these teams, and I've sat in rooms where PR comes in, and they say, what should we say? And I think there's too much of that. It really is. And I think one of the great things about social media, everyone blasts Twitter and it's bad, this, is that you can be unfiltered if you want to be. And it's from you. And this is what's great for athletes because they don't have to go through middlemen. Uh, So the unfiltered approach is always, in my mind, the best. And you can see some of the humanity, as I mentioned, from people like Anthony Lynn and Jeff Lurie. Um, and then the others, again, back to Kaepernick, you know, the team statements from teams that I believe would never sign Colin Kaepernick now standing up for what he's believed in. You know, I pointed that out on Twitter. It's just not right. So here's my question on that. And I guess I have two, Andrew. The first thing I would say, you are the business of sports guy. You host a podcast that's called the business of sports. You always say on Twitter at Andrew Brandt that the business of sports always wins, right? Yeah. I mean, I've seen your tweets, and 
I, I wanted, you know, I could have responded to the tweet, but I wanted to say, you, even you would agree, right, Andrew? There's a big difference between posting on social media against something that every human being with a brain cell is uh, in favor of, right? Which is equality and uh, everybody's against um, police treating people differently. And signing a guy in Kaepernick that did something that offended, you know, some significant portion of your fan base. Like, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from, but I also understand that there's a – I also believe that there's a big difference between those two. Yeah, I agree. And maybe it's just too much to ask – that owners or teams or executives say what you just said and what I, what, what I point out that Kaepernick was, is bad for business. I mean, that's what we're saying, right? I mean, we're really saying that. And I do have a problem if that's what they've really said through their actions for four years I guess I still have a problem with not supporting, you know, the general racial equality thing. Of course they support that. But this idea of now, after unequal treatment of one guy in Minneapolis, that, as I said, sparked this tinder, uh, now they're all in, right? They're all in on what Kaepernick was protesting four years ago. That's my hypocrisy. I'm pointing it out. It doesn't mean I, I back off from their business approach to Kaepernick. But then again, I, you know, Malcolm Jenkins has been employed. Kenny Stills has been employed. Um, you know, uh, Marshawn Lynch sat during the anthem multiple times, I think, protesting the same kind of things. Uh, so again, there seems to be some clapback personally, which you don't quite understand. You know, there have been a lot of calls. This is the last question on this topic, yeah. but there have been a lot of calls for the NFL, for a team in the NFL, to now sign Colin Kaepernick. And I just have a vision, Andrew, that if that happened, that I actually think the NFL would receive even more criticism. Like, yeah. I, I, I think it would be like, oh, now you guys sign them. We see what you're trying to do. You're so transparent. Oh, ne like, that, like, it really, like, the people that are advocating for that, um, and listen, for me as a guy that talks about the football, I think it'd be, it'd be uh, very much a huge news story, which would be great for me and my business, so to speak, but I just I disagree with people that act like, you know, the NFL would would, would receive praise for that. I, I actually think they'd get more criticism than praise because it would be like bringing it all up all over again. Yeah, of course, you know, and and I, I tweeted out my article from April 2018 that no one will ever sign Kaepernick. I mean, I I had hope, I guess, in 16, maybe 17, but that wasn't happening. You know, it's not happening. 
uh, bad for business. I'm not a football scouting type. I don't know how to compare his talents, but again, a hundred quarterbacks, you tell me he can't be a third string quarterback somewhere out with the record he's had. So anyway, you're right. That would be overly transparent and it's not going to happen. So, you know, it's not going to happen, period. A couple other NFL business things that we need to discuss, Andrew, uh, came out last night that there's no going away for training camp. The 10 teams that go away for training camp, they now have to stay at their own facility. Uh, no joint practices either. All of which, you know, make a ton of sense, Andrew, if you're thinking about, you know, things that they should do to be safe with the virus. Um, both those make a lot of sense. I, I know I'm sure the college towns aren't happy, but I think it's the right move. And I love when teams go away for training camp. Yeah, it is the right move, but it's another casualty of this COVID crisis that's unfortunate. You just mentioned in passing these colleges that are going to lose this financial impact. You know, they count on this. You know, when they do their revenue projections and education overall, what a bind everyone's in right now. I work at Villanova. We're waiting to see what our fall is going to look like. No decision until probably early July. Um, yeah, I mean, think of the colleges, Wofford and, and the Napa Marriott, where the Raiders have been. These They depend on this, and it's just wiped from their books, and people sort of don't even think about that part of it. And I know there have been some statements, we'll be back, we'll be back, but it just seems like beyond COVID, there's been a move to everything being in the facility anyway. I was with the Packers 10 years. We never got, went away. The players stayed at the dorm, St. Norbert's College, down the street from Lambeau Field. So, yeah, I even wonder if that'll be allowed, you know, if now players are going to be told to stay home or do they still go to the dorms, even if and they're in the cities or the hotels. So we'll see about that. And then the other thing that came out, Andrew, is something that you were first on the scene. And I know you wrote about it in your column for MMQB, but we also talked about it here weeks ago. And that is something that was reported by NFL media yesterday about uh, some impending NFL and NFLPA negotiations to try to account for not only working conditions, but for the anticipated loss of revenue. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I really appreciate that, Ross. It'd be almost, it'd be nice, but probably far-fetched if NFL media said, as first discussed by Andrew Brandt. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it seemed natural that there are going to be diminution of revenues for 2020. Do they get ahead of it? Uh, does the NFLPA really want to be a, a league that has a lower cap in 2021 than 2020? So they try to smooth down instead of smoothing up, you know, lower it down in 2020. So you still have a higher cap in 2021. And again, this is what's going on in baseball. For people to think this won't happen in football is naive. Baseball's got more revenues tied to game to seating than football does. Baseball is giving players a bigger haircut than football will. But that doesn't mean there won't be similar negotiations. 
and I, I'll say it again about baseball, and let this sink in to listeners. If there's no baseball in 2020, it will not, I emphasize, not be about the virus. <laughs> it's, it will be about economics. And, I, and then so you asked, do you, I think that could happen in the NFL? No, I don't. I don't think the NFL and NFLPA will be on the precipice of canceling the season due to economics. But I do think there are going to be negotiations. And as I said, they did an 11-year contract. They thought they wouldn't be talking to each other for nine, ten years. And here they are. They've got to get ahead of this. And I think they will. So, two things, Andrew. One is... They have a revenue, like unlike baseball, they have a revenue share agreement. So like whatever the revenue is, they know what the percentage is that they share. So I guess I I don't understand what the, I mean, I understand the goal is to sort of try to flatten out the cap. But other than that, they already have a mechanism in place to share the pain, so to speak. Well, now don't get me started now. Because people will say I'm running for NFLPA executive director uh, about their minimum spending requirements because these teams can go light if they fear cash short. You know, we're talking about debt service and all these teams want more debt and they're having trouble. They could go light, not only cut veterans with non-guaranteed contracts. If the cap's 198, what if they spend 170 this year? Are they going to be thrown in jail? Are they going to be accountable? Probably not because of this minimum spending, 89% of cap judged over four years. And if there's a lower cap next year, they could be light relatively again. I mean, these are the ways that NFL teams can game the system if they want. That's my point. All right, so then here's the last question. We talk about it every year when the Packers books come out, but – don't all the teams get a check for like 220 or 240 or 280, whatever it is, that's just national television and licensing revenue? It's not like the local stuff. It's not the stadium stuff. It's not the fan. It's just the national stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's over $200 million, which is more than the salary cap right there. You're making my point. Absolutely. It's, I think it's two and 270 maybe with a cap of 198. Now, again, to be fair, the cap's 198 on salaries. If you add in benefits, maybe the cap's 240, 250, you know, all the benefits, all the pension and health benefits, everything else. But you're right. <laughs> Yet, these, these owners, if they haven't already, I haven't seen a lot of it. They will talk poverty. They are in baseball. They are in basketball. They are in hockey. They will talk uh, economic hardship coming up. Mark my words. Andrew, you are the man. Always appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Excited to listen to the Business of Sports podcast this week. Make sure you're checking him out on social media like I do, at Andrew Brandt. Thank you, Andrew. Great stuff, Ross. Quick shout-out. Best kid in the world, Max Brandt, turns 18 today. 
Nice. 18. <laughs> he can vote. He can vote in this election. That's going to be important. Indeed it is. Thanks, Ross. Love talking with my guy, Andrew Brandt. And Andrew is a father. And Andrew loves to read. And Andrew, like everybody's dad, loves the newspaper. Which is why you should get your dad the front page treatment he deserves. Give him the cover story he deserves. Myfrontpagestory.com. Father's Day is 18 days away. It'll be here before you know it. People like people sleep on Father's Day. Get your dad something that's way better than socks or golf balls or whatever. Myfrontpagestory.com. Ducks takes. Ross, any additional comments to what Andrew said about what's going on in the country and how it could affect sports in general and the NFL in particular? Not really, Bri, other than I thought it was interesting. You know, Monday I talked about Brian Flores' statement um, and, you know, just offered up a couple thoughts. And it's interesting. The first three or four responses I got, one was an email, one or two were on Twitter, and two of them were our patrons, Norm and Tuckheads J on our private Slack channel, patreon.com slash RT Media, by the way. And they all said, hey, Ross, you know, we, we come to your podcast for a reprieve. There are lots of other places we can go to read and listen to opinions and stuff about what's going on um, with the protests and uh, racial inequality and all that stuff. We like when you stick to football and it gives us a chance to take a break from that for a little bit. And I thought, okay, uh, appreciate the feedback. That's what I was looking for. Thank you for letting me know. And then a couple of tuckheads, um, Johanna. Is it Johanna? Is is it Johanna? It's Joanna. Joanna? Yep. All right. Joanna and Becky both said, actually, Ross, I like when you say your opinion or address a subject like that. And then I got two long emails, which I appreciated, from people that said they don't ever want me to talk politics, but when it's something like this, they uh, they believe that I should. They want to kind of hear my thoughts on it, and they should believe I. They believe I should chime in. So it's like fifty fifty, Bry. I mean, which I, I guess is. Yet another example of sort of where we're at that it's 50-50 what you guys would like from me on this show. Um, I also got a couple tweets, one from uh, a listener named Nathan who said that uh, he thought my comments on Flores were off the mark, which uh, I appreciate the feedback. I appreciate you taking the time to reach out. I am very open to disagreement, very open to constructive criticism. I really think that's important. Another guy tweeted and said, um, you know, my comments came across as tone deaf. I guess I'm not as much of a fan of that because I don't know how that helps me, right? Like the emails I got that explain things I think were very helpful. 
um, at least explaining how you feel. And I may or may not agree, but I like to read what you guys have to say. I like to get your feedback. But just to have a random tweet in the middle of the night that just says, your comments today were tone deaf. It's like, okay, like which which one? Like in, in what way? So I don't really find that helpful. And I would also say this, being in the media and having a lot of different outlets, what I think is a real problem in general is that a lot of people are nervous to talk about uh, certain subjects and or to say anything other than sort of what the consensus seems to be on social media for fear of backlash for fear of getting criticized, etc. I don't think that is progress, right? Like I would rather sort of like when Ryan Harris came on the podcast and I'm going to have somebody else like that soon. I would rather ask the questions that I know friends of mine. I know people in certain areas of Pennsylvania or the country or whatever. I know what they say and what they think. I'd rather ask those questions and get responses from them. I think that's a heck of a lot more helpful than just sort of uh, tone deaf or off the mark or whatever. I, 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 and I appreciate the guys that took the time to do that. I would just rather you explain it a little bit more, you know, in an email, Ross at Ross Tucker.com. And like I, like I said, I may or my, my, I may or may not agree, but at least in an email, I can kind of understand where you're coming from as opposed to just off the mark or tone deaf like that. That doesn't help me. Like, I, I mean, uh, not that I necessarily think I need help, but that doesn't help me know what you're even talking about. So anyway, just my two cents. Ducks takes. Let's get into the NFL and NFLPA negotiations that uh, Andrew had predicted a while ago on the show. So, we talked about that, obviously. Uh, you know, the, the one thing I'd mention there is where the NFL is different than baseball is, I mean, like, it's revenue sharing. You know, the, the money is the money. Um, so it's you're, you're sharing the revenue that comes in. So if the revenue goes down, everyone suffers as a result, period. So I think the NFL is in a much better position than Major League Baseball in that regard. I also, I'm not surprised by the training camp stuff. Adam Schefter said this morning as well that, you know, he thinks the next time players will be back at team facilities is training camp. That makes perfect sense to me. I mean, it seems silly to have all these guys fly in from all over the country for a mini camp and then have them fly back out. That seems very counterproductive to have them getting on planes and traveling and all that stuff. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. In actual player news, a couple of young wide receiver injuries to discuss. First, Raiders rookie first round pick Henry Ruggs does not seem to be too serious. The other one, Clemson rising junior receiver Justin Ross. Well, it kind of does appear to be serious. That hurts my heart. That hurts my heart. He's a young man from Alabama, went to Clemson. If you remember, he tore up Alabama in the national championship game as a true freshman. 
He is a phenomenal, phenomenal kid and player, projected first-round pick. And I've seen multiple people like Dr. Chow and the um, injury expert for FantasyPoints.com, use code FEAST, all caps, by the way, say that it's career-threatening. That hurts. I think you guys know where I stand, which is I want every guy that has the unique ability to get financial security for their family based on their skills to get that before they suffer an injury or before something like this happens. It sounds like they might have caught it before something really bad could have happened, which is a positive. But, um, yeah, I just – that's the kind of stuff that really bothers me. Um, as for rugs, I guess he hurt his thigh helping a friend move or something. I don't know exactly what happened there, but it sounds like he's going to be okay. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. The email address is ross at rosstucker.com. All you ever have to do is take advantage of any of the sponsors on the sponsor tab, or even right there on the homepage at rosstucker.com. You guys should scroll through rosstucker.com, by the way. I would welcome any feedback, positive or negative. Um, but you can see all of our sponsors. You take advantage of any of them, or you become a patron. You can ask me any question you've ever wanted to ask me or any NFL player ever. It's that simple. Um, and I should mention, by the way, one last thing, Bri, Timmy Jernigan uh, announced on social media the D-tackle that he won't be signing a deal with the Houston Texans after all. And that's one, that, I don't know what happened there, but these bother me because I almost feel like they agreed to deal with Jernigan, then they draft Blacklock, and I think they drafted another D-tackle, and they're like, you know what? We don't need to pay Jernigan $3 million as a guy with a bad, bad history of a bad back. So that's, a, uh, that's certainly a negative of the COVID stuff. All right, today's email. Hey, Ross, I'm entering the drawing for your 49ers NFC Championship game autograph press pass, and I'm eager to try out my first order from MacWeldon.com. My question is regarding trash talk. Brent Jones recently said the funniest thing he heard during a preseason game was when Matt Millen shouted Mormon in the backfield when Steve Young entered the game. What was the funniest trash talk that you heard on the field? Thanks for continuing to produce great content. That is from Brian, originally from... Vallejo, California. Uh, well, he's funny. I, I, I know a couple stories that I wasn't involved in that um, I can't really say because they're not my stories to tell. In terms of things I actually heard, I'd probably just stick with some of the stuff that I, you know, that I um, went through. Um, and not all of it's trash talk, but... A couple stories that come to mind, Brian, and thank you, by the way, for taking advantage of Mack Weldon. Love Mack Weldon. Um, I remember 2004, the last game, we're playing the Steelers, and they they had already clinched the number one seed, so they were only going to play their starters, you know, for a quarter or two. And early in the game on a drive, I hit Joey Porter, and I said, uh, Joey, how long are you guys playing today? And he said, Long enough to kick your bleep, which I thought was pretty good. Long enough. To, I mean, that's the mentality he had, which is one of the reasons why he was so good. 
Um, I remember one time Warren Sapp beat me um, when I was, it was only my second year. It was a preseason game, third preseason game. He beat me around the edge, and he just kind of whispered as he walked by me, you know, you're not good enough to block me, son. And just kept walking. I remember thinking like, yeah, I don't know. You might be true. That, that might actually be right. Um, the funniest story, though, and I think I've told this story before, it was about the late, uh, great Junior Seau. I was playing right guard for the Bills in 2003, and I pulled to the right. Seau read the play. He knew what was coming, and he just totally lit me up in the backfield because he knew I was pulling. And as we engaged and he kind of jacked me up, the running back went back the other way. And so it's hard to do this in a word picture, but I had no leverage then at that point as he was going back the other direction. And so it was, I was either going to hold him or just kind of let him go, right? Because my momentum was going to the outside to the right. The running back was cutting back to the left. Say I saw that and was going to my left. So rather than hold him or just let him go, as he disengaged from me, I don't know what possessed me to do this, but with the the hard part of my hand, like an open hand, I hit him in the back of the head as hard as I could as he was going in that direction. So he's disengaging. I hit him in the back of the head. He goes flying forward. It's actually a really funny thing. Like, if someone's ever going in a certain direction hard or exerting force to go in a certain direction, if you push them in that direction or hit them in the head, they've already got so much momentum going that way and they're not expecting that. They're kind of fighting against that force. They'll go with it. So he totally fell to the ground and he hopped up and got in my face and like, Tucker, that was BS. What are you doing? Hit me in the back of the head. And I'm just smiling. And he's like, what's so bleeping funny? And I'm like, dude, you're going to the Hall of Fame someday. I just totally smoked you in the back of the head. That was hilarious. And he smiled and kind of laughed after that. Because I think he thought it was funny that I was like, I thought it was cool that a dude going to the Hall of Fame, I had just smoked in the back of the head and knocked him flat on his face. So those are three stories, Brian, that, uh, that I remember. There's certainly got to be stuff other guys said but it's interesting you don't really listen or get that involved in what other guys are saying you know what i mean like you're more concerned with what you know you really only pay attention if you're trash talking the guy or not good question though let's get to some more next week and friday should be great uh i think we're done here shout outs which is a special category of patron patreon.com slash rt media to pizza boy brewing nfl cliches.com dynasty freaks.com for you dynasty fantasy folks other than that uh doug kazarian will be on today's even money podcast from espn's daily wager so really looking forward to that conversation make sure you check out today's even money podcast i think we're done here Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.